0: make those who have spent their lives serving the law suddenly reject that law what could turn Gotham's guardians into instruments of terror pursuing evil until even the heavens themselves shriek
1: corruption all right everybody welcome back to the brave and the bob so this show is one of my most looked forward to shows that I do just because The Brave and the Bold is uh, such a fun title for me, and I think a lot of the other people that I have on really have a good time with this title as well. And I have a new guest with me today, a fellow podcaster, and that's Ed Moore, buddy. How are you? I'm doing pretty well, Billy. How are you, sir? I'm fantastic. So (laughs) we were just kind of chuckling before we started recording here about, you know, uh, pigeonholing other podcasters into certain <laughs> <laughs> certain things and you and I are going to be talking about uh, the Brave and the Bold 156 and this is uh, covered in November 1979 and there's a specific reason I asked you to uh, cover this one with me and it's because you have a Dr. Fate podcast and that is who is teaming up with Batman in this issue.
0: Indeed, indeed, indeed.
1: On on all accounts, actually. So yes. <laughs> and this is like, this is a book that again, if I saw it when I was a kid, or I saw it now, I see this cover. I'm buying this book. I mean, what do you think of this cover by Jim Apparel here? It's
0: it's an it's an excellent excellent cover. Uh, Jim Apparel. It's hard to um, to to say anything ill about the man's art. Uh, it's very very dynamic. Uh, you see. At, at the very least, who's going to be in the book? You know, every okay. everybody is represented here. Um, I I don't think specifically there was really a scene close to this, but that's okay because mm-hmm. the cover definitely puts you in the mood for what does occur in the book, and and that's that's really cool about the the setup, um, and and
1: Aparo's artwork. Yeah, oh, absolutely, totally agree with you 100, percent and uh, the colors were by Tatiana Wood and letters by Todd Klein, and yeah, I mean. I have the omnibus edition, not the original comic. So I'm not sure color wise if things are the same. So I know sometimes they do change those. But this one has like a a purple background and there's like a bridge in the background as well. And then you have, you know, a bunch of nameless cops here uh, shooting. And we have Batman and Jim Gordon trying to choke each other and punch each other out here. And then our buddy Dr. Fate is uh, flying overhead and he kind of has a, like a mystical shield up there so the bullets don't hit, I guess, both of them at this point because the cops are shooting every which direction.
0: Right, yeah. yeah. It looks like they're just shooting, hoping that they hit Batman, but they could just as easily hit Gordon from the way they're firing.
1: Yeah, and then, uh, you know, you, you got the, the Brave and the Bold logo at the top and the Batman and then uh, Dr. Fate logos there. And then there's only one little blurb on the cover here, which is cool. I like it. It just it lets the action do the talking here. And it says... Commissioner Gordon and the Gotham Police are trying to kill Batman. Why? <laughs> so, a little bit of a what's going on here? And like you said, they don't have this exact scene in the comic, but it's not a bait and switch either. It uh, it's 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 pretty, pretty close. Like it's 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 basically what happens in this, in this comic book. So again, like I said, no, uh, you know, no bait and switch here, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it this could very well
0: be a scene that was just, uh, can we say like unseen, you know, it could have occurred, but they just didn't draw it and put it in the book. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We, uh, like I said, we will see some scenes similar to this, uh, but not, you know, exactly this scene, like you had said, but yeah, this is uh, this is pretty good here. It's a, it's a really good cover. And again, color choices too are kind of wild because you know i don't always think of the color purple especially if it's the background color and there some blacks there as well but i think that sets this cover off really good like again i would see this cover and i'd be like wow this looks so cool
0: yeah, yeah absolutely i agree and and the, the counter to the purple is there's a lot of yellow on the cover too and i think mm-hmm. um set against a wall with a bunch of other comics around it, that the amount of yellow would really make the cover pop. When you moved in, uh, the the other royal color, purple, um, is part of the night. It, it kind of is the shade of the bridge. It's a background lower on. So, yeah, there's. I think the, the yellow and the purple really offset each other and would really make this pop with uh, other... Uh, well, I, potentially other magazines even surrounding it. I, I think at this time, though, comics pretty much had their own place. But, yeah, you, you would definitely notice it from afar because of the color choices.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely so. All right, well, let's hear – I'll get into the uh, the details here for this one. And this one is uh, um, written by Carrie Burkett and uh, pencils by Don Newton, which is pretty awesome. And inks by Bob Smith, colors Jerry Serpy, and letters by Ben Oda. So yeah, good creative team on this one here. I think uh, we really uh, you know, it's not the the team that had been on for a while here, but this is a pretty good team here.
0: Yeah, uh, you mentioned that this particular issue is reprinted. I believe that's the brave and the bold bronze
1: age omnibus you were talking about. Yes, yes, that I you have, had yeah, I got the 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 hardcover omnibus for two and three. One was like outrageously priced because yeah. it's been out of print. So I ended up getting the two soft cover volume one and two uh, editions that those two editions equal exactly what was in one of the hardcover omnibus. So I have everything that the three omnibus editions cover. It's just I only actually have two omnibus and then two soft covers. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I, I bring it up because the other place
0: that I saw that this was reprinted is in a book entitled entitled Tales of the Batman Don Newton. So,
1: oh, yeah.
0: so apparently it's a Don Newton specific book of of his Batman work that this was in that came out in uh, two thousand and eleven, apparently. So you noted that he was the artist, and mm-hmm. you know, apparently, at some point d c. thought enough of his Batman art to put a book together and include this in it. So pretty, yeah, pretty representative um Batman artist, I would have to say, just because they
1: did that, and they knew it would be, It would be something that would sell. Yeah, he was a good one. I have the only uh, editions of those books that you just mentioned I have. I don't have any of the Don Newton stuff. I have uh, the Jim Apparel Volume 2 hardcover. And I have, of course, because, again, I love Gene uh, Colan. I have the two volumes of his uh, Batman and Detective work, which I find really awesome. But, yeah, I I would love to get the Don Newton and the other Jim Apparel one. But, again, that Jim Apparel Volume 1. Oh, it's crazy expensive.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it is. Once once they go out of print, for for us normal humans, we just wave goodbye as it as it sails away on the on the price ocean there. And
1: yeah, mm. yeah, I'm always praying that they'll reprint something like or print something again, so then that right. that'll drive the price down on that <laughs> yeah. other edition. Right. Yeah, it's like if I have
0: to, I'll get this new one, but hopefully it'll make the original cheaper, and I can get it instead.
1: Yeah, and I mean, and I'm not picky too. I don't care if I can find rep- reprints, even black and white trades, whatever. I just want to read the co- you know comics. Yeah, yeah,
0: I, I'm I'm the same way. Um, black and white, the uh, DC. What did they call this? Showcase? Showcase.
1: Yeah. yeah. Showcase. Oh, I
0: loved those.
1: Yeah, I don't have a ton of those either. Just a couple of them, but I, I have a good time with them. I I, I love them because uh, again, not every artist's uh, uh, artwork translates well to black and white but the ones that i have look pretty good so you know hey again i'm up for it if i can get it at a decent price i'm up for it right yeah all right so i'm gonna read a quick little synopsis here for this one it's it's literally like you know a sentence or two here and that's it and then you and i are gonna just dive right into that one how does right. it sound all oh, right that's good so when an unknown power turns gotham's police evil batman and dr fate team up to find that a deceased cop who was framed as being corrupt wants revenge from beyond the grave. <laughs> and that's in a nutshell what it's about. I was going to read a synopsis from a different page. This is from uh, uh comics.org, you know, the that that GCD Grand Comics database. I was going to read one from another site, but that one was really super like it, you like would know everything that happened in the issue. So yeah, thought, yeah, that was pretty
0: yeah. spot on for for being so short. It's like, well, uh, I'm I'm thinking well, that's exactly what happened, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh, I'll just read this shorter one here so then we can get into <laughs> what's going on here in this issue. So, okay, you turn, and you're looking right at that splash page here. So what do you think of this one?
0: What strikes me, first of all, is the, the dynamism that Dr. Fate has as he's flying across the room, muscles rippling. I mean, he actually looks like he's a bad dude, jumping out of the way of of a bullet from any number of different places. We see a drawn uh, pistol. We see one firing. And then, you know, off to the side, you see Batman in an action pose as well. So between the two of them, very dynamic picture. The police officers are, uh, looks like they're charging them. And then Jim Gordon is here with his his fist raised up, and he's of course, I'm doing it, but nobody can see me do it. Um, shaking his fist at Batman and a very, very actiony
1: splash page, yeah, it's great. And the thing that, like my eye goes to immediately, believe it or not, is Jim Gordon, who looks like he's insane.. <laughs> yeah. Wow! The, yeah, the way John Newton, Don Newton and Bob Smith drew him—like he's shaking his fist at Batman, and he looks like he got hit with some, you know, Joker gas or something. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, pretty awesome page there, and you know, and he's—this is what he's screaming: "Kill them, kill them both! Batman and Doctor Fate must die!" <laughs> and of course, the cops. Well, hey, he's Commissioner Gordon, so they're just—they're doing exactly, exactly what he yeah. says. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and Batman's. Uh, uh, inner monologue is Commissioner Gordon and the entire police force have turned against us. But why? Why? (laughs) So, again, good stuff, but typical of certain, a lot of Silver Age and even into the Bronze Age once in a blue moon, they would do this. They would basically, you know, have a splash page where it was like, this is what's going to happen in the the issue. Here's the action to, to get you to turn the page, even though I think pretty much everybody, if they bought it, was turning the page anyway. But you turn the page and I love it. This is my favorite page of the entire comic. I'll say it right now because we get, you know, it's not, there's seven panels and it's all Dr. Fate. Like the first one is a small panel and it shows his tower. And then we, you know, kind of like zoom in on him and he's there and he's looking at his uh, orb, mystical orb, and all of a sudden gets like zapped with this kind of crazy energy and he knows something's wrong.
0: Yep. Yeah. The, 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 this is a, a kind of, um, a kind of magic wielding that you really don't don't see too much today in, in comics. This is just a more, um, to me, kind of a more sedate kind of, I am a magic user, this is my power, and I'm going to use it to something. Here he's trying to discern some information. Um, he gets a little bit too close to the answer of what he's looking for, apparently, and that's where whatever he's doing kind of bites back at him, and we see that energy come out back out of his orb at him and you know immediately well not immediately because he has to take a second to kind of recover from that cheap shot that he got uh but he realizes you know wow something's off the the magic doesn't bite back like that so i I must be on to something
1: yeah and again don newton and bob smith the artwork is incredible here but not to uh give carrie burkett uh short shrift here i love you know how he has dr fate here you know uh monologuing and then You know, there's a caption box that says the golden medal of his mask displays no emotion. Yet if it could, it would reflect the intense strain of the struggle Dr. Fate wages to penetrate the swirling clouds. And it's oh, I love stuff like that. I know, you know, some people are like, oh, I don't like, you know, purple prose. I don't like all this monologuing or caption boxes. I love it. That kind of stuff. I love. (laughs) And okay, even if you don't like that, I don't
0: really think it's it's um. Oh, it, it's too much, or anything like no. that. It it really fits in with the previous panels and the preceding panels, and mm-hmm. it, you know it kind of you you see what's happening, of course, but maybe you don't quite feel it. And so this little caption here kind of ratchets up the 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 tension or the emotion, and then going forward, it, it's kind of like this is this is the building, and then the, the next three panels are kind of the surge and result of the, the feelings or the emotion that they're trying to get across
1: in the entire page. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I do see sometimes when I read uh, bronze age stuff, sometimes there is some overkill here and there. That's well, that's that that's for sure. But sure, again, yeah. I, I love it. But to me, especially I've talked about this before, especially when you have like magic users, like Dr. Strange, Dr. Fate and, a lot of times there's something going on where the visuals don't paint the entire picture so you need something like that caption box to just kind of not only you know further the plot and and kind of just sound really cool but to really let you know what's going on because in that actual you know panel where that caption box is you see Dr. Fate sitting there and you can see some like clouds swirling around him and some energy and stuff like that but other than that you, you don't know what's going on there so that To me, that is that forwards the story and adds to it. So, to me, I love it. I'll take that all day.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And he says about getting a location from uh, getting blasted here. So, then we switch to uh, Gotham uh, Police Department here, and we have uh, Commissioner Gordon, and he's uh, congratulating Sergeant Tyler on his promotion. And for some insane reason, Batman's there for this. So, I'm not quite sure why Batman got invited to the ceremony. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. (laughs) but let's not let uh let this get in the way of the uh, story here so uh they start talking after the little uh promotion breaks up here and then all of a sudden you see this swirling cloud and there's a finger that points out of it and then on the wall is uh, written on the wall beware corruption rules the house of the gotham police and of course batman and you know commissioner gordon are like what is going on they have no clue what's going on, and you know Commissioner Jordan is like, "Is this a joke?" And Batman, if it is, someone's got a grim sense of humor. These letters, <laughs> these letters have been burned into the wall. <laughs> right, right. Uh,
0: at the at the very beginning, I made a mental note. They they said the dude's name. Oh, this is Sergeant Tyler. Well, I wonder why they're giving us his name. So I I made mm-hmm. a little note when they did that. I'm like, <laughs> okay, let's let's see what happens. I've I've seen too many things, and there's a point to giving out his name. So I I, I kind of jotted that in my in my mental notebook as as I continued reading.
1: Yeah, and then I love too how uh, Batman whips out uh, his camera here and it reminds me of a camera I had a camera like that when I was a little kid. <laughs> one of those real slender kind of okay. ones. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: <laughs> yeah. The the one end probably slides into the rest of it, right? Like one of those yep. little
1: spy cameras and yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it was great, but yeah, he clicks and snaps a little picture over there and it's just great. Again, There are certain things that, you know, a lot of people feel, you know, you don't need in modern comics. And again, that's Uh fine. Maybe sometimes you do Maybe sometimes, you don't. but I like just something little, like, again, he's standing there with the camera and then on, you know, to the right in the panel, you just see, so, you know, I'm assuming it's a, you know, the letterer, uh, he writes, click there. You know what I mean? Like, that's awesome. You know, uh, that's great. To me, that's stuff that just adds. And then we have Batman back at the back cave here. And, uh, he's, uh, on the computer. And again, his, he, he's, you know, typing away into the computer and you hear tick, 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 tick down here to, to give you the noise. I love that. That's, that's great. I love sound effects.
0: Absolutely. And, and in the next panel, he's got a, a, a punch card. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was not born uh, in West Virginia, which is where I am now. Um, I was born in Chicago, Illinois mm. when I was little. And we all, my my mom and dad moved us down here to West Virginia. The first job my mom had in West Virginia after moving was uh, operating a uh, key punch machine at a a, a large construction company. Ooh. Now, what she was key punching, I don't know. I, you know, I don't know what the information was. I I don't think they ever told me. But I just remember that her job was a key punch operator.
1: Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> and so,
0: anytime I see these cards, I always think oh, that's what mom did. But I had no idea what she did really. So I was, <laughs> I was like six or seven when we moved down here. So, you know, the last thing on my mind is what my mom and dad actually
1: did for jobs. <laughs> right. <laughs> and just a quick side note, I have uh, spent a vacation in Chicago, Illinois and had a blast. It was lovely. Had a great time there at my family. Excellent. Excellent. Hopefully it was not in winter because Chicago no. winter can be pretty brutal. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it was. If I remember correctly, it was the end of May because okay. we coordinated it so that it was during C2E2, and I went oh, there. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. Okay. Yep, had a blast. It was a great show. Got to meet a lot of a lot of friends there. It was really cool. <laughs> cool. So, all right. Yeah. So, yeah. He got a. He's got his uh, punch card here, and he's looking at it, and he says, "This is incredible." According to the computer, it's the handwriting of a dead man. So right away, you're thinking, what's going on here? Yeah, he, how can it he be a dead man? Yeah, He's thinking to himself, Donald Sterling, a policeman slain in an incident involving a drug ring. The writing is his. And he, uh, you know, jumps in the Batmobile and goes tearing out of there. And now he's in the city. This is not when he's out in the booties uh, below Wayne Manor. This is uh, when he's uh, underneath the Wayne Foundation building. Just a distinction there, because he goes tearing out of there and almost runs two cops over <laughs> yeah, yep. But it's funny right away, you know, something's up. There's the cops, and he says, What's up, Officer Harkins? Need any help? And he says, But Batman, and he starts shooting. <laughs> <at him>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's great. I like how on that uh panel there, uh, after he starts shooting at him, Batman uh, opens the door and kicks or he kicks the door open and knocks the cop over. Yeah, he had to have kicked the
0: door open because. If not, he would have had to kick it open and then kick the dude. So yeah. he he must have kicked the door, and really, it looks like he kicked the dude, but it had to have been the door that hit the dude. But either way, yeah, it's it's a really cool scene because it's it's not you know it would have been easier if it was his door, right? He'd have been, mm-hmm. run, but no, it's the passenger door.
1: So he's kicking all the way across the Batmobile to disarm this dude that's shooting at him. Yeah, I'm thinking to myself, he must have really long legs. But it does look like he kind of slid his hiney over into the, the middle right, yeah, there. <laughs> yeah, like a like a sliding into home base kind of maneuver there to hit the door. And yeah, yeah, and the sound effect is whoomp. And before, when the cops started shooting at him, it was kablam, zing. Yep. <laughs>
0: in in case you, yeah, in case you ever wonder what the sound effects of those occurrences are, we have them right here. So now we know what they sound like
1: hmm absolutely. So, and then I guess I, I, I kind of missed something here. Batman actually went tearing out of the, you know, the Batcave there, but he also said there was a burglar alarm going off. But when he kicks that door open and it hits that cop, a bag full of money goes flying around, and he, he realizes the cops were stealing the money, and the other guy takes off, and he throws a batarang at him and hits him right upside the head, clunk, and uh, knocks him out. So he's wondering, like, wow, I can't believe two cops in Gotham. And I'm thinking, really, Bruce? Gotham's a huge city. It has tons of cops. There's probably a couple there that aren't on the level. I mean, probably, yeah. And <laughs> I would I would say, you know,
0: is it possible that um, it was people just dressed, but he recognized one of them and used his name? So they were, they were real cops in this situation.
1: Yeah, and then, of course, he goes back to uh, police headquarters I, here <laughs> and... <laughs> I, goes to their uh, boss. Yeah, and he's, yeah. he's asking... Yep, he's telling him, "Hey, this." And I love that very first panel because he's talking to the commissioner and telling him what's going on. And Commissioner Gordon's just standing behind his desk. And I don't know if this was something that you know Don Newton and Bob Smith did on purpose or whatever, but you can't see his eyes. He, like he, he kind of looks like he's like a almost like zombie-eyed or zombie-eyed or something here. Right? Yeah,
0: because of that. Yeah, if it wasn't on purpose, then it was an excellent accident because yeah it Mm -hmm. definitely adds to uh the way the commissioner acts in the next several panels
1: yeah and this is great as batman's talking to him uh he we see his hand uh, commissioner gordon's hand going into his drawer to get his uh, revolver out and he's like yes yes but i think i have something here that will clear up the whole matter batman and the next panel has this psychotic looking commissioner (laughs) gordon with the gun and he says you're death, and bam and he starts shooting at batman but a bullet that looks like it was going right for batman's head zing gets pushed away by some unforeseen uh, you know force shield here and boom here comes doctor fate through the wall and that's a cool panel too yeah yeah he's
0: he's half in and half out and kind of immaterial um it, it, he's got the a, a nimbus of like circular energy like he's uh, coming through, well, which I guess he is. He's coming through a dimensional barrier to, uh, uh, to, to, to talk to Batman. But he's coming in in such a place and time that he's actually helping Batman out.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a really cool panel too, because like you said, he's half in and out through the wall, and there's like this energy all around him in a circular and shape. And then Batman is like kind of in shadow, and he's turning and looking like, "Whoa, what's going on here?" And he's surprised by seeing Fate. And then the next panel below. That's kind of like the panel that, you know, mirrors yeah. the uh, splash page. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably as close as any of the internal
0: panels get. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. You had Gordon shaking his fist and attack, kill them, kill them. <laughs> and they, they like put up a a force field here and Dr. Fate's like, yeah, we need to get out of here. So he's like, let's depart. And he takes Batman with him, And then they kind of uh, try to figure out what's going on here. So now not,
0: not being an expert at DC, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, listeners, I'll, I'll have to admit, I'm I'm more of a Marvel fanboy, but I am slowly correcting that. Mm-hmm. Um, Batman is Earth 1, and Dr. Fate should be Earth 2. Um, and it's interesting that they made the, um, th- they let it be known, in essence, that they were from different places, and Dr. Fate was coming to where Batman is. Other stories that I have read the, the characters just are, even though they might be from Earth One and Earth two or other Earths. you know they just mm-hmm. are there and they don't the, the writer doesn't make it a point to say, you know, oh well, this isn't really where I'm from, I'm from you know wherever and I'm here to help or ask your help or whatever. H- here they make it a point to say that yes, they are from two different places mm-hmm. and uh, Dr. Fate has come from his place, to Batman's place to uh, try to, to solve this mystery that he encountered.
1: Yeah. And I mean, a lot of times in the stories, especially when it's like, I, I feel like more so, more often than not, when it's like like a Haney story, he doesn't give a crap about who's on what earth. He just writes the story. And if it yeah. doesn't make sense, oh, well. And, then, you know, I've talked about this with my guests previously. It's just, did you have fun reading the comic? Yes. OK, then they, they did their job. <laughs> and And one of the a, a couple of the ones that always come to my mind are.
0: What was Haney responsible for? Sergeant Rock and Batman.
1: Well, yeah, you can, and I've talked about that too. Cause you figure Sergeant Rock had to be how old?
0: <laughs> yeah, really. That's a, and then the other one is, I think the next issue after this, and it's a Commandy Batman team up.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, how that.
0: So happen? you're like, yeah, you're like, oh, there, there is nothing in common there. What is that? So yeah, it's it, uh, I, that's one of the the funnest things about the book is that somebody one day just came running in and said, hey, why don't we team up XYZ with Batman? And the editor's like, shoot me a story and let's see. And so they
1: just sit down and they make it work. It's, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love too uh, when they start trying to figure things out and they agree that, okay, we got to figure out what's going on. And of course, Dr. Fate's like, I'm going to figure out what's going on. You know, on the mystical side of things here and Batman's like, I'm going to do my bat stuff. And that's a really great half page splash there where it shows fate flying away and Batman then waving. And then on the other side, like his uh, close up on his face. Oh, it's great. Yeah, yeah, very
0: mystical uh magical kind of Dr. Fate because that's what he does. And Batman is staying, you know, detective street um plus, you know, it's it's his police force, so he's got to dig into that. And so they they both break up to solve their uh their together problem, but doing it the way that they do, Dr. Fate with the magic and Batman with that that street level level detective kind of stuff that's yeah well well done writing to give them the ability to do it the way they do it
1: yeah and it's funny too because at this point batman has definitely seen some supernatural things uh in his you know uh, crime fighting career and so when he questions something like he says uh i don't usually consider the supernatural in trying to solve a mystery but your experience indicates that where the root that's where the root of our problem lies. And I'm like, is this Batman or Dr. 13 under the mask here? What do you mean you don't usually consider the supernatural? What has he ever said about that? And I thought, OK, that's a little weird. I thought, eh, I don't know if I would have threw that in there if I was the writer. <laughs> well, I,
0: you know, may, maybe they're just trying to, to further show that, you know, Batman does it one way and Dr. Fate does it the other way. And, and the, the two ways don't necessarily
1: um, overlap too much. Yeah, and there's a caption box. The Golden Mage says nothing, but begins his journey silently crossing from the familiar sights of Earth into a far more abstract reality. And <laughs> here's one of my favorite moments of this one, too uh, Batman swinging around, and he's like, I've Got to find out more about the Patrolman Sterling. And that means checking up on the police records here at headquarters. And he's on the roof, and he swings down, and there's just some poor cop walking around. And he clobbers the guy from behind and says, Oh, I'll need a disguise. <laughs> and he dresses up as a cop <laughs> with the mask still very, on. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> very what? much the golden
0: age Batman where he just did whatever he needed to do to to do what he needed to do.
1: So, mm-hmm. Yeah. But again, I love it. There's a shot in a panel where there he is with the hat on and the coat and everything pulled up real high in the collar. But, you know, there's, there's the mask and he's trying to, you know, hide in the shadows a little bit from another cop walking around in there. And he goes and he gets the records for this guy and, of course, you know, click what Batman in here. There's another cop that sees him and he punches that guy out and he's like, OK, I got to get out of here. And, you know, he starts uh, trying to make his way out of there. And then just finally is like, screw it and goes smashing through a window because there's just too many cops there. And it's yeah. shooting. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> Without even knowing necessarily where this window goes, I would imagine. He's just like, well, this is out, so I'll do it. And then I'll worry about whatever after I jump out.
1: Yeah, he's basically like, I won't get shot out here, so I'm just going out here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, great stuff. But, yeah, he goes flying out there, and he's, you know, uh, reaches the ledge, and he's swinging around, and he goes, I have what I came for. I just hope the file contains some clue. So he takes that, you know, uh, to go check it out somewhere. But then we switch to uh, Dr. Fate, and he's in this other, you know, nebulous realm here. I don't know if he never says if this is hell. But I guess it kind of needs to be because, you know, there's like demons and this devil looking creature. So I'm thinking, well, if he's going after somebody's like soul and it's in a place with like demons, I think that's where he is. Probably. Yeah. (laughs) Really good job here too. this crazy demon that he fights. It looks really good, especially page 10. The very bottom panel there where he's kind of like hand to hand fighting this demon. Wow. That is a really good panel there, too, where it's kind of like trying to kill him.
0: Yeah, yeah, the 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 hand to hand. Um, even though, you know, Dr. Fate is more the the magical, mystical kind of creation kind of character, he he's doing some hand to hand with this demon. And y- you've got to think that, well, hand to hand, Dr. Fate can't have as good a chance to be a demon as he would if he did some of his Lords of Order magic-y kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. that's the way he starts out is is doing some hand to hand.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, great scene there. And then we get Batman who, you know, after he read the files and stuff like that, he's trying to say to himself like, oh, that Sterling guy. Um, I think he was innocent. I think he was framed because there was so much evidence. And I thought, OK, so where were you when he was still, you know? Uh, yeah. When
0: fra- yeah, when he was yeah, being he, framed. Yeah,
1: when he was being framed. You didn't hear about this and, and things. Are, yeah. yeah. And then he goes to grab this guy walking down the street that kind of looks like he might be a little shady and. Just a second, Whitey. He grabs the guy by the collar and picks him up. And Whitey Kendall, a two-time loser. Why would you volunteer information to the police? He's like, what do you mean? He's like, the Sterling case, remember it? You know, he's saying about a bribe and you're going to tell me who and this and that. So he's doing his routine of, you know, you know, shaking down a hood here so he can uh, get the information he needs. But again, we switch back to uh, Dr. Fate and now uh, he sees the spirit of Donald Sterling and uh, that's a pretty interesting uh, fight here. So now we have Sterling, who is, you know, by all accounts dead, but has some kind of uh, magic power of his own here. And he goes one-on-one with Dr. Fate, which is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, he, he definitely is holding his own. I mean, so much so that, you know, you start to wonder, well, what's going on if this is just a regular dude who is dead and, and like, this is his ghost or his, his shade or, you know, whatever other uh, thing he's going to turn out to be. Um, mm-hmm. And as they're fighting here in the midst of the fight, Dr. Fate finally gives up what is going on and tells us that there's a demon mm-hmm. that has possessed the ghost of this dude. And that is where the power is coming from, from the demon. And the dude is just is like the the conduit for the power of the demon.
1: Yeah. And it, it's at one point here, it looks like Dr. Fate kind of has him like plastered down on the ground and he's trying to separate the guy from this demon, which looks really cool. But the guy, you know, the demon's still pretty strong and attached to this guy. So it kind of uses like, you know, eye beams to zap Dr. Fate here. And, you know, that's a really, really cool scene there because I thought, oh, it's just going to be over right then and there. But not so fast. They kind of, you know, think there's more to tell with this story here. And again, switch scenes back to Batman, who (laughs) he uh, he's at the estate of Giuseppe Condotti one of the wealthiest businessmen in Gotham City if whitey was telling the truth i should find the answers here and we see two of his uh this uh white uh giuseppe guy's goons outside and <laughs> all you do is see them standing there as if they're talking and in the next scene the two of them are on the ground knocked out and Batman's right. walking yeah. by them <laughs> it's yep. so great so he goes into this guy's uh estate here to find some evidence about you know uh, how that cop was set up and i feel like If you're this Giuseppe uh, criminal guy, why would you keep any kind of paper records about payoffs? I I just – I'm not sure that's a great idea.
0: Uh, I I would have to agree, but (laughs) you know as well as I do that in every television show and every movie, there's always a paper trail of what the bad guys are doing. And and you Mm -hmm. always wonder, why did you leave a paper trail? Because they can use that.
1: Yeah, or the the bad guy will just tell the good guy what he's about oh, to do, what his plan. Yeah, is. really. That's, yeah. <laughs> He'll have him pinned down that's, and say, "This is going to be my plan." And that's definitely
0: away. big in comics, man. For <laughs> you know, a page of telling, and it's like, but if dude gets away, now he's going to know. So why did you do that? Just get rid of him. That's mm-hmm. all. Just capture him and get rid. But yeah,
1: that that's never what happens. Yeah, and Batman, he he gets what he needs, but again, you know, somebody finds out, and they're like, you know, some armed, you know, goons here come after him, and he punches a couple of them out and goes blasting out a window, but then guard dogs, no way I can outrun them. And he's like, just one chance, my utility belt, some tear gas, and they're just about to, like, jump on him, and then they go flying up into the air, <laughs> and then we see Dr. Fate came and uh, lent Batman a hand here, and he said, uh, you know, hey, Uh, I'm like, let's get our heads together here, pal. Let's compare notes. (laughs) There's a really neat panel where he picks up Batman and they fly off and they're like right in front of the moon here. That's a pretty neat looking panel there. What do you think of that one on page uh, 15 there? Yeah.
0: Where the, it's, it's almost like it's their shadow because the Mm -hmm. bright moon is behind them. Uh, and that, that was, um, that's not, not something necessarily. I think that I would have thought of in, in the middle of a story to, to use this type of technique, but it definitely, you know, you see that Batman needs help. Um, Doctor Fate is flying. Y- you see that it's at night, which kind of lends itself to the the um, motifs of both of these characters. So uh, it, it's an interesting choice, kind of mm-hmm. unexpected for me to take the time to to do something like this, silhouetted against a full a full moon mind you now you know it it couldn't be a crescent moon because that wouldn't be as cool an effect so it's got to be a full moon
1: Mm -hmm. and then there's like the 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 skyline of the city there in the background too and it's just you know the background itself is black and then they have the you know the yellow moon and their shapes are you know shadows you know they're black as well and the cityscape is like it's almost like a pink color in the the omnibus edition here it's a neat it's a neat color choice i do like it but Here we go. And a speedy trip across town later in the penthouse of Bruce Wayne. And I'm thinking mm, if Dr. Fate doesn't know Bruce Wayne is Batman, I don't know if you should have went to Bruce Wayne's penthouse uh, or the Batcave. Uh, yeah, well, I guess. That, yeah, <laughs> should have we, went to the we, Batcave. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll overlook that. I, I, yeah, I don't know. He should have blindfolded Dr. Fate and took him in the little back yeah. through the secret entrance. There you go. Yep. <laughs> well, they do kind of get their heads together and figure out that, you know, this this guy, you know, was uh, his name was smeared and that's why he's all pissed off. And that's how this demon kind of, you know, weasel its way in uh, to this guy's uh, spirit. So, you know, Dr. Fate says, you know, hey, listen, you know, as long as he's really pissed off and wants revenge on the Gotham police, Like, I'm really not going to be able to do much about it. I'm not going to be able to separate him from that demon because he kind of wants that power and wants to do that. And Batman's like, that gives me an idea. Which, you know, of course, the idea is, well, let's find out who really committed this, you know, uh, crime. And, you know, clear Sterling's name. So then we go to the uh, home of police sergeant, William Tyler, who we met at ah, the beginning of the
0: story. There you go. That's why they gave out his name.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. So Batman confronts him and says, "You know, I know what you did, and your your name is in the ledger for that. You know, a uh, mob boss that you know paid you off and this and that." So while he's doing that, you know, we have Doctor Fate here, uh, and he's uh, going to uh, meet up with Sterling, the Sterling Demon here, and. He uses his magic to kind of do like a a TV camera live look in here on Batman confronting our buddy uh, Sergeant Tyler and showing that he's, uh, you know, he's trying to clear his name. and He's going to clear his name.
0: Right. right, Yeah, he's he's watching Batman. uh, uh, Can we can we say coerce, I guess, a uh, (laughs) confession out of Tyler, which uh, (laughs) Batman is very good at coercing. uh, So. But this, I, I have actually a question about the, the finality here of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, my question is, did
1: Tyler shoot himself? Well, I, I it, it, from what you, so this is what happened. So Tyler, you know, when Batman starts to kind of let him know, like, hey, he knows that, you know, you you took a bribe. Uh, Tyler says, you may have discovered the truth, but you'll never live to tell anyone. And he pulls his gun on Batman he's got Batman dead to rights. And this is kind of weird. Batman looks at him and says, don't be a fool, Tyler. That gun won't help you now. And I'm thinking to myself, well, actually, if he shoots you dead, it will Batman because (laughs) it'll help a lot. Yeah, you're the only one that knows all this evidence. So yeah, it kind of will help. And then there's a small panel that says, slowly, the desperate cop aims his weapon no, no, it must not be. But then, in the next panel down, you see like a picture frame or something. Hit him in the head as he's saying, "Die, Batman!" And the gun goes off. And Batman says, "The promotion certificate." It seemed to fly off the wall. And then the next panel says, "While," and we see Doctor Fate, and he's in this other, you know, realm with you know separating the demon from uh, the you know the dead policeman's spirit there, Sterling, and it. Dr. Fate says the time is now with no cause left to fight for. Sterling no longer desires the demons power. And I can act. And he says, rise spirit of Donald Sterling, flee the clutches of the demon. Justice has been done and you are free, free to seek your eternal rest. And then we go back to Batman. Who's at the apartment. And you just see Batman's leg and the certificate of the, the guy that got promoted that took the bribe and his arm laying there. And Batman says it's over. Maybe I could have grabbed Tyler before he fired, but sometimes justice chooses its own way to act we've cleared an innocent man's name tonight and maybe just maybe saved his soul. So, I'm thinking that's what Batman's implying by what he said there. Oh, and uh, I mean, the art did not
0: at all show that and I can understand why. Yeah. But given that, it's like, well, yeah, he you know, it was just a it was just a discharge of the gun because he got hit in the head. Oh, okay. Well, you know batman will get the gun and put him under arrest and and whatever it, it's cool but yeah then you come over here to the final panel and it mm-hmm. says you know batman like you said says but sometimes justice chooses its own way to act so i'm like oh well that discharge must have killed the guy <laughs> so yeah yeah wow. i'm
1: thinking yeah i'm thinking that or you know between when the frame hit him and the demon got separated from the other guy you know between those three panels then he he did kill himself. that's kind of yeah and maybe Carrie Burkett was trying to write something a little more edgy here too, but the artist just wasn't, you know, I mean, I know the comics code was kind of lightening up a little bit in the last few years in the, the you know early to mid 70s, but not enough that you could show that, I don't think. Oh right yeah, yeah there's there's
0: no way you could get away with that. Yeah. but uh-uh. I don't know I, I just and and I guess maybe because of of real estate, you know, you only had so much space left so you couldn't mm-hmm. show. You couldn't show everything. Um, Yeah. But but yeah, yeah, I was just kind of taken aback. I was like, oh, so the dude's dead. Oh, okay. Well, that's one way it could have ended.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And you figure a few years earlier when page counts were a little higher, maybe they could have, you know, shown a little bit more here. But, you know, by the late 70s here and early 80s, they had cut some page counts down. I think this is only 17. You know, maybe there was a backup in here or not. I'm not sure because, again, I only have the omnibus. I don't have the issue. But um, I, they, I think they did cut back a bit on the page count just because, you know, business was not great, you know, in the late 70s there.
0: Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So that that probably to me, the, the, the sequence of these final three panels, that was probably the most um, surprising thing to me of, of any aspect of the story is just that it – it ended in a just a curious way for the, for the way that I was
1: thinking as I was reading it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, but yeah, I mean, overall really fun issue, really cool. Yeah. A little vague on, you know, how things got to the, uh, the very, very end there, but overall, you know, thumbs up for me. I really enjoyed this one. How about you?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, a chance to see Batman do Batman and Dr. Fate do Dr. Fate, but yet the two of them work together. They're, their uh, separate kind of methods coming together to solve this. Yeah, unfortunately, somebody won't have uh, a second chance necessarily to reform, uh, according to the end of the story. But I guess in that way, justice is served. You know, the man who was um, punished for the deed found at least for himself that people will now know that he was not guilty. And the man who actually was guilty. And framed the first man. Well, he he paid the ultimate price for his guilt. So it's like, well, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess there is kind of that that evening of the scales, even though, you know, the, the one that was innocent was already dead. So it's like, well, you, you can't even his scales anymore. It's, it's too late. But, mm-hmm. you know, I guess in some grand karmic cosmic kind of way. Yeah, the scales evened up there by the end of the story.
1: Hmm. Yep. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, how about like let's let's uh, think about this. So, if you had to uh, pick a moment uh, from this book that was uh, something that was you know just kind of off the wall, kind of wild or crazy, what what would you pick? Was there something that stood out to you? I think probably that scene where Doctor Fate first went um, to
0: hell or uh, uh, limbo or wherever the uh,
1: the purgatory
0: ghost, a purgatory. <laughs> yeah. Whichever one of these nether realms he was at, and uh, fought that initial demon. Um, it, it was... Mm-hmm. it. Th- there are aspects of this story that very much remind me of a gentleman by the name of Steve Ditko, and the type of mm. art that, that he used as far as um, a, a particular character at Marvel, Doctor Strange, whenever he would show him m- moving through realms or dimensions or whatever. A, a lot of this really felt kind of like that um and and i say it that way because i was exposed to to uh, ditko first so he he had that position in my mind of well this is how um you you're supposed to illustrate these kind of things and gotcha. so seeing uh, i noticed that there's a lot of round or circle motifs uh that was used with dr fate and that was kind of interesting to me there wasn't a whole lot of sharp edges to his magic or or i don't, just angles they, they they produce this this particular feeling and and they they leave your eye in a certain kind of place whereas rounded edges just they they seem to do something different with with the way that the art feels, with the way that the story feels. And um, in this story, Doctor Fate used a lot of circles and rounded edges, and so he he has a particular feel that in you know another the the next appearance or a previous appearance, it, the feel wouldn't be quite the same because the magic is portrayed in a different way. So I, I liked showing that uh, Doctor Fate. He he has these different kind of feels depending on how he's using his magic. Well, a, a, at least to me, you know that that's my interpretation. Uh, mm-hmm. so, some interpretations may vary. I think is the phrase. So, but but that's that's the way uh, that that it made me feel. That's why I enjoyed. That's why I enjoyed the whole story. But this this first uh, scene in particular of of Doctor Fate really for a whole page being able to use his powers. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, that was
1: a wild page. I like that, too, because, like I said, I, I love the rendering of that demon. I think he actually calls it a were-demon, and it does kind of look like a werewolf. It's pretty I, neat. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, well, for me, I would say <laughs> I, I really can't decide between, you know, Batman <laughs> when he runs into those two crooked cops and kicks <laughs> the door. <laughs> yeah. It's a guy, either that, that panel and that scenario or... Uh, minutes later on page eight when we see batman dressed as the cop <laughs> that's just yes. like so crazy just to see him dressed like that looks hilarious to me <laughs> now here's
0: something else that i noticed and i don't know uh, i must have seen this somewhere but with the uh hat on and the jacket pulled up um where he is breaking into the um he, he's stolen the cops clothes and he's breaking into the, the
1: headquarters the there.
0: Yeah. That the the image of him with with that pseudo outfit on and the way that it's shaded, that very much made me think of something I have seen Gene Colin do somewhere.
1: Oh yeah, maybe. I mean hey, maybe somewhere in his run he had him do something like that too. You never know.
0: Either that or or you know some of his um, his own creator-owned or indie stuff, but that image—just that one little picture of Batman—I really thought, "Oh man, Gene Colan has drawn something like that somewhere." I I know, but I
1: just can't remember at all
0: where it was.
1: Yeah, I'll have to look through my my you know two uh, hardcovers of his stuff. His his Gene Colan's uh, DC uh, Batman detective stuff was wild, man. It was a lot of uh, a lot of horror theme stuff, vampires and stuff like that, which is cool. Right. I, I
0: guess because that really lends into his, his style of artwork at that time of his career. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, all right, well, Hey, two thumbs up here, one for me and one from Ed. So uh, why don't we transition here into uh, what you have going on outside uh, of this uh, show here in your own podcasting. So now, you know, we kind of mentioned it uh, obliquely here in the beginning here, uh, you uh, have a Dr. Fate podcast, uh, plus some other things. So, But what about your Dr. Fate podcast? Uh, why don't you tell us about that?
0: Uh, it's entitled Lords of Order. Um, if you want to um, catch it, Lords of Order on iTunes is the place to look it up. Um, I post everything on Twitter and on Facebook under Teal Productions. Um, whenever I release an episode of any of way too many podcasts that I do, um, Lords of Order being one of them. So yeah, that's uh, Teal Productions on Twitter. Probably is the is the quickest place when when things go out. Which I I think um, for the next little bit I'll be able to to put out an episode a week of the different things. Lords of Order right now comes out once a month because of the all of the different projects I do. So um, the next um one actually the next in the sequence of shows that I do will be the most recent lords of order um as as you hear this my most recent release will be a lords of order show so you can mm-hmm. look for that at uh, teal productions on twitter uh currently i am in that that time frame talking about dr fate where it's past all of his his actual golden age appearances and the only appearances that he has coming up for for the next many, many years of, of actual publishing time are the annual JLA, JSA crossovers. And so that's, Mm. that's the period of time that I'm in the next, I don't know, five or six um, episodes will be an annual crossover between JLA and JSA. So that's, and a lot of those, I, I haven't, I'm, I'm reading for the first time as I'm reading to record so that's really cool for me a lot of other dr fate stuff i've read already and as i get to it it'll be you know the second or third time that i've i've read it uh but those jla jsa crossovers particularly you know the first through the fourth or fifth one i've never read before so those are really really cool to read as i'm getting ready to record about them
1: awesome yeah good stuff yeah that's those jla jsa team ups i have not read them all I've read a couple of them um and there was one uh, that's that was JLA JSA and All-Star Squadron that was so good I love that one.
0: Yep. Yeah, it that's you know that's just and and I mean if you think about it you know the JSA and the JLA that's oh 10 15 20 people easy. Mm-hmm. And and so given all of them a little bit of face time and being able to see them uh, act in in coordination and and counteract as typically is the case you know some good guy uh when they first appear everybody thinks they're the bad guy so there's a quote-unquote fight and mm-hmm. but yeah it's just a lot of action kind of fun because you have so many of these characters
1: that they try to get
0: uh, on the page so yeah it, it's it's they're really really fun to read
1: awesome yep so everybody get out there follow it on twitter like you said it's uh atio productions and then uh uh lords of order you know a dr fade podcast you can find that everywhere on all the places you know apple and all that kind of jazz too so definitely get out there and uh look this stuff up and thanks ed i appreciate you being on here buddy i appreciate you coming on the show here and talking about this yes sir
0: not a problem thank you
1: for the invite No, no problem man anytime so all right well again thank you and i'm gonna duck out here real quick and run a promo and then i'll be back to wrap up the show
2: You're listening to Prairie Justice, a Greg Sanders Vigilante podcast. It is an exploration of the DC Comics character, the first superhero to use the name of the Vigilante. First published in Action Comics 42 in September 1941, amid comics golden age and carried as a continuous feature. During those years, the Vigilante was also a member of the Seven Soldiers of Victory. He was one of the first DC heroes to appear on the cinema screen in his own serial. Reappearing in the Bronze Age, the vigilante had a 1970s renaissance throughout the D.C. universe. Greg Sanders, the Prairie Troubadour, leads a double life as a modern country and western musician, while also delivering justice throughout North America as a mass crime fighter. Using the tactics and weapons of his rural Wyoming upbringing, with his friends Billy Gunn and Stuff Leong, many a nefarious scheme was foiled with six guns, ingenuity, a motorcycle and a twirling lariat. Howdy, I'm Ranger Gord. Help me follow the trail of the Vigilante on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play.
1: Okay, that's going to wrap up this episode. Uh, Once again, I want to thank Ed for being on the show. Great guy, good guest. Definitely check out his Lords of Order podcast. He's also on a Superman show podcast. Uh, he's got a lot going on, so definitely check out Teal Productions. You know, whether you, you know, Google search or uh, there's a Facebook page for it and that has everything he has going on. Definitely check it out. But, yeah, we had a blast with this and uh, loving the zany Haney. So uh, looking forward to continuing with that, whether it's Braving the Bull, The World's Finest, or, you know, even something a little more obscure. You know, we're going to keep rolling with this as long as it's fun. So stay tuned for the next episode in two weeks.